نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so this lecture today inshallah on the topic of the world of jinn and magic then in reality it is a vast subject it is a vast topic and uh, we're going to try inshallah ta'ala to try to cover as much material as possible in in this lesson as you can appreciate in an hour an hour and a half uh, it's you have to really try and push and squeeze everything in so inshallah i'm going to ask you to try and uh, concentrate and uh, have some patience with me uh, there's a lot of material there's a lot of things to connect together and put together and so uh, what we're going to do inshallah ta'ala is before we get into the subject of magic and what is magic and how is magic performed and how to repel magic and how to protect from magic and so on and so forth and the types of magic and how it affects the people and so on and so forth then i want to mention some introductory things some background information because when you speak about magic you can't really uh, understand where it fits into the overall scheme of things unless you discuss some historical and background information so i'm going to begin first of all by mentioning and the the story in the quran and everybody is familiar with the story in the quran when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he announced to the angels that he is about to place a vicegerent upon the earth he's about to create man which is adam alayhi salam and this story is mentioned in numerous places in the quran it is mentioned at the beginning of surah al-baqarah the very first long chapter in the quran it is also mentioned in surah sad the 38th chapter of the quran right towards the very end and in this particular chapter surah sad allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions how allah announces to the angels that he is about to create a man a bashar and he says that when i have fashioned him then you should fall down in prostration and so what happened was is that all of the angels they prostrated except for iblis except, except for iblis and in another verse in the quran in surah surah al-kahf we find that iblis was from the jinn he was not an angel he was actually from the jinn so all of the angels prostrated and the command was also given to iblis which iblis uh, for those who uh, shaitan the devil iblis you know the the uh, this is just the name in in the quran for iblis and so he refused and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him what prevented you from prostrating to he to him to to adam whom i created with my own two hands and so iblis he responded he said he gave this false analogy and he said that i am better than him ana khairum minhu khalaqatani min nar wa khalaqtahu min teen that i am better than him because you created me from fire and you created him from teen which is like a type of clay meaning representing the the dust and the soil of of the earth and so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he 
who said to him and responded to him that you are expelled from here. Get ye out of here. You are accursed and expelled. And so he expelled him. And then Iblis or the devil, he asked for some respite because he knew he was doomed. He knew he was finished because he was arrogant in the face of the command of his Lord. Because when Allah commanded him to prostrate to Adam, it wasn't to worship Adam, but it was to show obedience to Allah, to God, to, to Allah, to show obedience. And so he refused. And his argument was that I'm better. I'm not worthy of prostrating to someone who you've created from, from clay. And so because of this arrogance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he expelled him. And then what happened is that Iblis, knowing that he is doomed, knowing that he is doomed to the fire, he said to Allah, grant me some respite. Give me a short period of time. Uh, leave me loose for a short period of time. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave him some respite. He said, I will give you some respite. But upon you is my curse up until the hour is established. Meaning the final hour, the day of judgment, when mankind and jinn will be judged. So then what happened is that Iblis, he then made a promise. He said, by your might, by your might, O Allah, I will cert certainly misguide all of them. And he's referring here to Adam salam and the offspring of Adam salam, Because Adam, as we shall see, Adam is the father of, of mankind. And Iblis or Shaitan or the devil and so whatever other names we want to use, he is the father of the jinn. He is the father of the jinn. So he promised that he will most certainly misguide all of them. And he made an exception. He said, إِلَّا ibadaka مِنْهُمَ الْمُخْلَسِينَ With the exception of those who are the sincere servants of yours. Meaning those who worship you alone upon pure monotheism and who do not worship anything else besides you. With respect to them, he knew, Iblis knew, Shaitan knew that he does not have any authority over them. And so with this promise, uh, we, so with this promise, uh, it is something that we have to bear in mind because when we come to understand the offspring of Iblis, the offspring of the devil who are the jinn, and what is it they seek from the men, and likewise the men, and what they seek from the jinn, when, as it relates to this issue of magic, then inshallah this will become clear if we keep this issue in mind, this particular incident in mind regarding Iblis and Adam alayhi salam. The second thing now what we want to mention as background knowledge is that after this incident occurred, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He entered Adam salam along with his wife into the garden. Into the garden. And so He advised him and or he, he commanded him not to approach a certain tree. And again, this is mentioned many times in the Quran, so I'm just going to really summarize the essential details here. And so what happened is that Iblis, uh, the devil, or shaitan, he basically came and he tried to beguile them and misguide them. And so Allah mentions this in the Quran and he, he states, there are two particular verses in the Quran which are of interest to us. And so one of those verses Allah says in Surah Al-A'raf, Surah 7 verse 20, Allah mentions how this shaitan, he came to them and he said, فَوَسْوَسَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ لِيُبْدِيَ لَهُمَا مَا وُورِيَ أَنْ عَنْهُمَا مِنْ سَوْآتِهِمَا وَقَالَ مَا نَهَاكُمَا رَبُّكُمَا عَنْ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ 
So Iblis came and basically he whispered to them and he said that your Lord never prevented you from this tree except in case that you might become angels or that you might become immortal, that you might live forever. In other words, he's trying to deceive them and he's trying to make them think that there's some, something hidden why Allah their Lord prohibited them from this tree. Because just in case they might learn immortality, they might achieve immortality, or they might become like angels. And in another, in another verse in the Quran, Allah says that Shaitan, he whispered to them, he said, O Adam, shall I, shall I not direct you to a tree, which is the tree of eternity, and the tree of kingship or dominion, which never ever perishes. Right, so in other words, again, he's making them a similar, similar promise. And he's trying to uh, say to them that this, this tree was only forbidden to you just in case you learn or that you acquire uh, immortality. That meaning that you never die, that you have an everlasting life and that you have a kingdom that will never perish. So we see that from these two verses in the Quran, when shaitan, when he came to Adam alayhi salam, then he promised him four things. There were four things that he tried to, or that he made a promise of, and that he tried to beguile and misguide Adam with. And these four things was, he tried to say, that Allah only prohibited you from this tree, just in case you become angels, or that you become immortal, meaning that you never die, or that you learn, or that you know the tree of eternity, that this tree is something that will give you immortality, that you will never die. And fourthly, that you will acquire a kingdom that will never, ever, ever perish. So in other words, Iblis here has combined two things. He's uttered a lie against Allah, and likewise, he's also pretended to be a sincere advisor to Adam and his wife, in order to make them disobey their Lord. So what happened, as you know, in, this, in the story, uh, which is recounted often in, in the Qur'an, that Adam salam and his wife, they ate of the tree, and... As a result of this, they disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what happened after this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ordered all of them, all of them, meaning Adam and his wife Eve, and likewise the shaitan, that He ordered all of them to uh, descend from that place, from, from paradise, and to, enter, and to go upon the earth. And so there are two verses which concern us here. And the, the verse that, is, that concerns us, is the one in which Allah mentions that there will be enmity, that there will be enmity between the men and the jinn, between Adam and his offspring, and Iblis, or the devil, or shaitan, and his offspring, who are the, who are the jinn. So Allah says, Allah said that all of you get down from here, and some of you will have enmity to some others amongst you. And what this means is that uh, again, Iblis is the father of the jinn, Adam is the father of mankind, and so amongst them there is enmity uh, between each other. And so Allah says in the Quran, Allah mentions to us in Surah Fatir, Surah 35 at the beginning, He says, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ That indeed, shaitan or the devil or Iblis is to you an enemy. So take him as an enemy, Indeed, he only invites his party that they become adherents of the fire. So here we understand that as Iblis, as the devil or shaitan, 
knows that he is doomed and is in the hellfire, then his only call, to, and he also has been given respite and a time with which to you know, go, go about, then his aim and his objective is to invite as many people from the offspring of Adam, to whom he has enmity, to whom he refused to bow down in prostration, to bring as many of them in, into the fire as possible. And so this is his aim, and so therefore we see that there is an enmity between the jinn and be, between mankind, uh, some amongst others, even though both the jinn and the mankind both have their duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is because we know that Allah has already uh, informed us in another part of the Qur'an, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I have not created jinn and men, except that they may worship me. Except that they may worship me. So amongst everything in creation, there are only two species which are obligated to, or which are obligated to respond to the prophets and messengers and to worship Allah. And they are the jinn and the men. That's all, the jinn and the men. And often you will hear, you'll probably hear in uh, other nations, in other civilizations, in other religions, you will hear a, a speech of uh, goblins and ghosts and leprechauns and this and that and so on and so forth. Well, all of that is, it, it, it is merely the jinn. As we will see, the jinn, they are such that they can take the form of animals and men and even inanimate things. And so when you see that in history, when nations and civilizations experience things, and then within their culture they speak of, you know, goblins and, you know, ghouls and ghosts and this and that. Know for certainty that there are only the jinn and there are the men. And because the jinn would come to them in different forms and manifestations, then they obviously each culture and civilization tries to make or tries to understand what it is, and they try to give them names and labels and so on and so forth. But in reality, it is merely the jinn who are playing about with, you know, with mankind. So anyway, at this point, we now understand, inshallah ta'ala, that Iblis and his offspring have an enmity to mankind, and they try to misguide mankind, because they want to guide, misguide as many of them to enter in, in, into the fire. And so we see that when we come to the issue of magic, and you understand this issue that I mentioned at the very beginning about how Iblis, how the devil, that he makes certain promises, he probably, he comes in the form of a sincere advisor, and he tries to give this knowledge of, that you know, this knowledge which Allah kept hidden from you, it's because he didn't want you to become immortal, or have this secret knowledge, or have this secret, you know, uh, uh, type of knowledge. And this is why you will, when you study many of the, the religions, and you go back into ancient history, and you look at the, 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 the pharaohs and the religions in Egypt, and likewise in Babylon and many other places, you will see that there is a common theme. There's a common theme amongst all of them. And the common theme is that they believe that, like their kings or their princes, that when they die, they will, they, they go, they, they will enter into an eternal life. An eternal life. And what, 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 what they also have is they have, they have lots of certain rituals and practices that they, that they have, which involve the worship of other things besides Allah. And it, it is merely worship of the devils and worship of the jinn. And really what, what, what you understand from it is that this whole religion that they have developed is all built around their false and mistaken belief, which has been brought to them by, by shaitan, that, that there is an everlasting kingdom. 
there is an everlasting life that you can achieve immortality and that you can achieve an, you know, a, a, a kingdom that will never perish and for that reason you will see when you look at some of these religions like in uh, South America and ancient Egypt and Babylon that they have a lot of these uh, ritual sacrifices of people and what they believe is that by sacrificing a person or someone willfully choosing to sacrifice themselves their king will continue to uh, live and continue to reign and continue to and and the, 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 you find that there's a general theme that you find amongst all of these ancient types of mystery religions in reality what it is is that iblis has come to them and just like he whispered to whispered to adam he made them believe that there is a type of knowledge and information and hidden secret knowledge and a type of devotion by which if they were to practice they will uh, attain an everlasting life, an everlasting kingdom. And this idea, this, this, this uh, way of thinking and this idea is something that has never ever dis- disappeared. It is still present today and there are people who call to it today. But again, that's something that if I have time, maybe I will address that a bit later on. But anyway, the point being uh, at this stage, that you, please bear this in mind because when I come to show you some of the pictures and the slides and some of the symbolism of magic, there are some significant pictures that, that will that will allow you to connect this thing here to how magic is performed and some of the symbolism and how it relates to this to this thing that I've just mentioned to you right now about the promise that Iblis made to Adam and how he continues to make this promise to you know to, to, to mankind. So anyway, uh, this brings us now to the next issue, uh, which is the jinn are the offspring of Iblis and Mankind is the offspring of Adam alayhi salam. So we find uh, from those uh, scholars from the second century of Islam, the scholars who took their knowledge from the companions of Allah's Messenger, that they explain from them Imam al-Zuhri, he was, he's died in the year 124 Hijrah, and he's from the greatest of the scholars of the Muslims in the time. So he explained, he commented upon the verse in Surah Al-Kahf when Allah said that Iblis uh, that, 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 that he refused to prostrate and he was Kana min al jinn, that he's from the jinn. So Imam Zuhri said, Iblis is the father of the jinn, just as, Ad, uh, just as Adam is the father of mankind. And Al Hassan al Basri, Al Hassan al Basri is a scholar who died in the year 110 Hijrah, and he's from the greatest of the scholars of the Muslims at the time. And he commented and he said, Iblis was never ever from the angels not even for the blinking of an eye. But he is the origin, he is the foundation, he is the asal of all of mankind, just as Adam is the asal or the foundation or the origin of all of, all of men. So we do not believe, like you find uh, some Muslims wrongly believing, and in this they are following uh, what is said by the, the Christians and the Jews in, in, you know, in, in, upon their belief, that, that Iblis was originally an angel and he became a fallen angel, this is not correct according to, to the Muslims. Rather, Iblis was from the jinn, and the jinn were created before mankind. And so he is a, a different uh, species from the angels. The angels, as we know, are made of light. The jinn are made of the smokeless flame, the smokeless uh, part of the, of the flame. Uh, as Allah says in, in, in the Quran, in Surah Ar-Rahman, وَخَلَقَ الْجَانَّ مِنْ مَارِجٍ مِنْ That Allah created the jinn, from the smokeless part of the of the flame or of the of, of the of the fire, so that that is what the jinn are made of, 
And the jinn have abilities which obviously they can move, they can uh, uh, acquire information rapidly, they can again uh, transport very quickly, they can take forms and shapes. And so they have a, a certain uh, abilities that mankind does not have. And as for mankind, then he is made from the clay, the dust of the earth. And so uh, we believe that Iblis, as we said, the jinn, that he was not an angel, rather he has always been a jinn. And so we see that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymi rahimahullah, he mentions how the jinn can appear in the form of men, they can appear in the form of animals, they can appear in the form of snakes and scorpions, and many other things, even in the form of camels and cows and sheep and horses, mules and donkeys, in the form of birds, even in the form of men. And uh, this is just the, something that maybe we don't understand, but this is the way and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the jinn, and this is something unique to them. And as we will come to see, magic, all of magic, it takes place through the agency of the jinn. And when we see magic, and when we come to look at, look, look at magic, then magic cannot take place except by the jinn, and through the jinn, and through the assistance of the jinn, and through the worship of the jinn. Through the worship of the jinn Meaning it involves something which is unlawful in Islam And it is something which invalidates a person's Islam uh, This is something that we need to understand When we look, when we will see the ruling upon magic in, uh, in Islam So as for magic, what is magic? As-sihr, in Arabic we call it as-sihr So what is the definition? When we, when, when we speak of this word as-sihr What is the linguistic Definition of as-sihr. What is the meaning in the language? And the meaning in the language of as-sihr, or in English, magic, it refers to anything and everything whose causes and ways and means are hidden and subtle. A meaning that they are hidden and they are invisible and they are subtle and they can't really be, be perceived by the senses. So this is the short definition of as-sihr. And when we look at this word as-sihr, we see that there are other similar words in Arabic which are derived from the same combination of letters. Like for example, as-sahar. Sahar, it refers to the very last part of the night. Right? When, when obviously everything is quiet and there's no movement. And, you know, and that's sahar. And likewise, when we have suhoor. Suhoor is when we fast in Ramadan and we have that small meal in the morning just before the Fajr prayer meaning the dawn prayer, which is, you know, before uh, we start seeing the dawn appearing, again, the last part of the night, then again, that word comes from the same root, you know, word in, in Arabic. So, as-sihr simply means anything whose means and causes and ways are hidden and subtle and invisible, meaning that we, we see certain things happening and taking place and certain effects in people. And we really don't know what their causes are, what their reasons are, because it's all invisible to us and we can't see it. So this really is what the word as-sihr means linguistically, in terms of the language. And then, as far as what magic is when it comes to the sharia, meaning that when it comes to an Islamic point of view, what is it that comes under the label of magic, then there are many things that enter into the label of magic. And so from those things which are mentioned here, for example, by Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan, he says that magic refers to a number of things. Many things come under magic. And magic refers to, it can refer to spells which are made, uh, azaim in, in Arabic, and ruqa, 
which means incantations which are uttered and pronounced. And likewise, words which are pronounced. And likewise, there are even certain medicinal potions and these, you know, concoctions. And likewise, when you have, uh, when the, you know, like when you have the use of uh, like incense sticks and it gives off a certain smoke and, you know, the, the use of smoke, even that is included within magic. Meaning it is used as part and parcel of magic. And he says that all of this is a reality, meaning that magic is a reality. We believe that magic is real and true. We don't believe like some people believe that magic is just like a figment of the imagination. It doesn't have any real external existence, but it's just what people imagine. This is incorrect. Rather, we believe that magic is true and real. It is tangible. It has an effect. And obviously, it occurs by Allah's permission. And so, from this magic, from it is that which it affects the people's hearts and their bodies. So magic is such that it can make a person ill, and it can also lead to a person's death. It can also separate between a man and his wife. Because magic is used to, for many, many things, to separate between the people, to separate a man from his wife, to separate a man from his father, and you know, a father from his children, and, and so on and so forth. And, but really, all of this magic only takes place because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed and allowed for it to take place. Otherwise, it would never ever take place. Uh, meaning that this magic is not something that independently can affect anybody. Rather, it is something that Allah allows to happen. And it is from His wisdom that He allows such a thing to happen because it, in the overall scheme of things, it has a certain purpose and a wisdom. And it is just like, for example, just like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He allows oppression to take place. And he allows injustice to take place. And he allows murder to take place. And he allows many of the evil things that we see taking place. And this is because all of these things are such that they have a particular wisdom and a purpose in the overall grand scheme of things. Which is Allah's intent to test mankind to see which of them would be grateful and worship him and obey him. And which of them would be ungrateful and disobey him, and you know, and worship others besides him. And so, just like we have many other things which are a trial and a test for mankind, like illness and disease and famine and and death and so on and so forth, then likewise, magic is one of those things that Allah has allowed to take place, as in order to test the people and to you know uh, to test them. And so, this then is magic in brief, and this leads us now to the ruling. What is the Islamic ruling upon magic? And this is something that we really need to be very, very clear about because magic, as we, as, as you will appreciate, that magic, you will see many, many people before practicing magic that you would never ever suspect of practicing magic. And these people will come in the dress of Islam and they will have beards and they will wear thobes and they will pretend to be healers and they'll pretend to be righteous people, and they'll pretend to be, and they, they, you know, they'll wear the garb of Islam. But these people really, what they are practicing, is something that, that actually invalidates their Islam. Because, because uh, inshallah, we will see some examples of these people when we come to look at uh, some, some of the slides later on. But, but, but we need to be clear about the Islamic ruling upon magic. And the Islamic ruling upon magic is that anyone 
who practices magic, and we're not speaking about the magic which is just, you know, tricking the people with a, with a slate of hand, you know, making a coin disappear and, you know, bending your arm and this and whatever, and all, all that type of, just, which is just merely trickery and illusion. We are speaking here of the magic which involves the use of the devils. Magic which involves the use of the jinn. This magic, whoever practices this magic, or who teaches it, or who learns it, then the ruling upon such a person is that he has invalidated his Islam. Right? He has entered into disbelief. Be not any doubt about that. And the reason why, it will become clear to, to you, inshallah, when we look at what is involved in magic. What is it that a magician has to do in order to win the assistance of the devils? And we will show you some examples of that, inshallah, in, in the pictures. So anyway, the ruling, the proof for this ruling in the Qur'an upon magic uh, is, is, is the famous verse, in the long chapter of the Quran, the very f- the second chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, and in this uh, chapter there is a verse number one hundred and two, and in this verse, this is a famous verse which speaks about magic and the Prophet Suleiman alayhi salam, and how there were some sh- shayateen, the, the devils who were sent. Inshallah, we will look at this verse in a bit more detail a bit later on. But for now, we find that in this verse, we it's a long verse, but in this verse, Allah Allah states. Allah is basically, uh, what Allah is stating in this verse, that Suleiman is free and innocent of the charge made against him. Because many of the, of the Jews, they claimed that Prophet Suleiman or Prophet Solomon, that he was involved in magic. And this is how he was controlling the jinn and other than that. And this is false. Rather, rather Prophet Suleiman was free and innocent of practicing this magic. Rather the magic, all of it came from the devils. And these devils, they would, they would teach the people in the time of Suleiman how to perform magic and how to split a man from his wife. And so in this verse, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says, وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلِيمَانَ وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا That it was, not, it was not Suleiman who disbelieved, rather it was the devils who disbelieved. يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ sihra That they were teaching magic to the people. So here Allah has... has declared them to be upon disbelief because of the reason that they were teaching magic to the people. In the same verse, Allah mentions how uh, uh, about another situation, how Allah sent two angels, Harut and Marut, to the place known as Babel, which is Babylon, which is present-day Iraq, about maybe uh, an hour's journey from where uh, Baghdad is right now. Uh, but So Allah sent those two angels, and again they came, and they came with this knowledge of magic, but they were sent as a trial for the people. And so when they came to the people, they were ordered to say that anyone who acquires this knowledge, then he will, you know, he will, he will, that we are a trial. So do not become disbelievers, do not disbelieve. So in other words, they came with this knowledge and they were told to say to the people, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ fitna, فَلَا takfur, That indeed we are a trial for you, so do not become Disbelievers, do not disbelieve, do not invalidate your faith. And likewise, Allah says in the same verse, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لِمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ That they indeed knew that anyone who purchased anything from this, meaning this magic, that he will have no share in the hereafter. He will have no share in the hereafter. All of this is an indication in this verse that anyone who indulges in magic, then he has invalidated his faith. This is the verse that the scholars use as proof. And there is also a proof 
regarding this, there's also proof regarding this uh, in the Sunnah, in the Hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and from that is the uh, find. Yes, and from that is the Hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the Messenger said you should avoid the seven destructive sins. Avoid the seven destructive sins. And so the companion said, the companion said, what are they, O Messenger of Allah? And so the Messenger said, the first of them is ash-shirku billah. The first of the destructive sins and the greatest of the sins is what, we, what is polytheism, which is to worship other things besides Allah. To worship an angel, to worship a jinn, to worship a prophet, to worship a righteous saint, to worship a stone or a tree, or to worship any of the elements, the rain, the wind, the fire, the, the, the sea, the ocean, to worship, to direct anything which is worship, which, is, which constitutes worship, to other than Allah is the greatest crime that Allah does not forgive. However, anything which is less than that, Allah forgives all sins. Like Allah says in the Quran, that indeed Allah does not forgive that partners should be associated with Him in worship. But He forgives what is less than that to whomever He wills. So for example, Allah forgives murder. He forgives cheating, gambling, robbing, stealing, backbiting, and all the other sins you can think of. All of them Allah forgives. But if you die having committed polytheism, because that is the greatest crime that any person can commit. It is the greatest crime that any person can commit. So whoever dies upon that, then that is from the destructive sins, and Allah will never ever forgive that sin. So anyway, this was the first thing mentioned of the seven things that the Messenger said is from the greatest of the destructive sins. And then the second thing he mentioned was as-sihr. As-sihr. The second thing he mentioned was magic. And the scholars explain that the reason why these two things were mentioned together at the beginning was because it is not possible to perform magic and to execute magic except by falling into the first one, except by falling into shirk, except by worshipping other than Allah, such as worshipping the jinn, worshipping the devils, and seeking their assistance. Otherwise, no magic can ever take place. So this is a significance, and this is a proof that the scholars have used, that this hadith is also a proof to show that the ruling on magic is that it is disbelief. And just for the sake of completion, the other five, the other things that were mentioned, which are from the greatest of the sins, is killing a person, to murder someone, this is to take a life, it is from the greatest of, of, of the sins, you know, for which you have no right to take. And then fourthly, to, 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 to uh, consume riba or usury, to take interest and to be involved in interest and usury. This is from the greatest of the destructive sins. And because usury is the way by which uh, the, the wealth of the people is stolen and robbed and it creates chaos in societies and nations and so on and so forth. And in fact... Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's one of the reasons that we see all of the nations today in so much turmoil and, and, and difficulty. And so, riba, uh, uh, usury and interest is from the greatest of the destructive sins. Likewise, eating, consuming the wealth of the orphan to wrongly, if you are in, entrusted with an orphan 
and the wealth that belongs to him and you start eating and misappropriating, uh, misappropriating that wealth this is from the greatest of the destructive sins and likewise to abandon the battlefield that when you are when you are you know involved in a battle that you turn on your back and you flee on your heels out of cowardice this is from the greatest of the of the of the destructive sins and finally to wrongly accuse pious chaste righteous women of infidelity right to accuse them and to slander them and to malign them with things which they are innocent of that this is from the greatest of the destructive uh, destructive sins so just out of in, you know for the sake of completion but we see at the beginning Allah's messenger he mentioned a shirk and he mentioned so he mentioned shirk which is polytheism worshiping others besides Allah and he mentioned alongside that a sihr which is magic also we should be we should understand that magic is not a light affair the next thing that we want to point out is that magic has been present when did magic originate what we know from the evidences is that magic has been present at least from the time of Nuh alayhi salam. And we do not believe, like other people wrongly believe, that magic began in the time of Prophet Solomon. Prophet Suleiman, no. Because we have evidence in the Quran that magic has existed at least from the time of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. So what is the evidence? The evidence is, we see that whenever Allah sent a messenger, Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Dhariyat, Surah 51, verse 52, Allah says, كَذَلِكَ مَا أَتَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا قَالُوا سَاحِرٌ أَوْ مَجْنُونٌ That Allah says that never did a messenger come to those who came before them, except that they said to him, to this messenger, that you are a magician or you are mad and possessed. Right? They, made, they leveled these two accusations against whenever Allah sent a messenger to a people, they would say, you're just someone who is mad, or you, you, you're just a magician trying to bewitch us and, and, and mislead us. And because we know that Prophet Nuh, or Prophet Noah, peace be upon him, was the very first messenger, because Allah said in this ayah, that no messenger came before them. And because we know that Prophet Nuh was a messenger, then we know that magic was present at least from the time of Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. And likewise we see in the Qur'an, Allah also stating about the people of uh, Prophet Salih. Uh, Prophet Salih, he came before Ibrahim, before Abraham. And his people said to him, قَالُوا إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ مِنَ الْمُسَحَّرِينَ They said that you are from those people who have been put under magic. You are affected by magic. And likewise they said to Shu'ayb, Prophet Shu'ayb, they said to him, they said the same thing to him, that you are from those people who are just bewitched. You know, you're under the influence of magic. You're speaking madness and nonsense. They wouldn't accept his message. And likewise, we see the Prophet Musa, Prophet Moses, when he went to the Fir'aun, the Pharaoh, and the, 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 the people who were in the gathering and the council of Fir'aun, they said to Prophet Moses, they said, إِنَّ هَذَا لَسَاحِرٌ alim That indeed Prophet Moses is a skilled magician. Right? So they all made these claims. And so from these verses we gather that magic is something that has been present at least from the time of Prophet Nuh salam, And it didn't originate with, you know, with uh, Prophet Solomon, Prophet Suleiman, as many people wrongly believe. Okay, now this brings us to the actual verse in the Qur'an, as I mentioned to you before, in Surah Al-Baqarah, the second chapter in the Qur'an, this is known as the verse of magic. Because in this, in this verse, Allah 
deals with a number of issues. From them is the accusation made against Prophet Suleiman that he was a magician. So Allah purifies and exonerates Prophet Suleiman from that claim. Likewise, Allah explains the those who uh, would in, be involved in magic would be the devils in the time of Prophet Suleiman. And likewise, how he sent the two angels, Harut and Marut, to Babylon in order to put the people to trial and bring them this knowledge of how to separate a man from his wife, and this, which is the knowledge of magic. And so they came as a trial to the people. And so it, it's a long verse, and I don't want to spend too much time on, you know, because it, it, there's a lot of things to, to, issues to raise. But basically, if we were to summarize in a nutshell uh, what, what the meaning of this verse is and what the verse is putting across, basically what the verse is saying is that in the time of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, there were Jews present in the time in, in, in the time of Prophet Muhammad sallam. And in the book of the Jews, the Torah, the Torah, which is the Old Testament, there are clear indications and clear signs that there, that there is yet another Prophet who is yet to be sent by Allah to the people. And this is why there were many Jews who moved into that place and that location, which was called at the time Yathrib. Yathrib is just another name for the place called al Madina. And so there were many Jews who were present there, and this is because in the Torah, it is clearly written and explained that there is yet to be another prophet or messenger to. In fact, it is even mentions his name. In the Hebrew, if you look in the Hebrew, it even mentions his name, Mahmud or Muhammad. And it, it is mentioned in, in, in the Torah. And so they were, they were expecting this prophet to come, and they thought that this prophet was going to be from their own genealogy, from their own offspring. So they came... And when the Prophet came, when the Prophet Muhammad, he came and he announced his prophethood and he was sent with the Qur'an and then they rejected his prophethood. And um, so, and then what they began to do is that because they had inherited from history this magic, because historically speaking, the Jews, when they were... Uh, we need to go into a bit of history here now because historically speaking, the Jews... In the history, they were often taken captive. And one of the instances in which they were taken captive was uh, around 600 BC. 600 BC, before the time of Jesus, Isa a.s. And they were taken by the king, uh, you probably heard his name, Nebuchadnezzar, or whichever way, you know, different ways to pronounce it. But he was from the uh, uh, Chaldeans. And the Chaldeans are originally those people to whom Prophet Ibrahim al-Islam was sent. And from their king was the king called Nimrud or Nimrod. Right? And those people were star worshippers. They used to worship the stars. And they would look into the stars and they would have all of this astronomy and mathematics and numbers and numerology and they would have special numbers and numbers would represent the stars and the planets and so on and so forth. And they would represent the spirits they believed that inhabited the planets and the stars. And so all of this numerology is something that when the Jews, when they were held captive by uh, in Babylon, by Nebuchadnezzar in the year 600 BC, those rabbis, the learned people of, of the Jews, they acquired all of this magic and this sorcery and this astronomy and this numerology. Right? And they acquired this. And then what they did is that when they, whilst they were still in captivity, 
And when they left captivity, when they came to Jerusalem, then this is when they began to write the Talmud. Now the Talmud is a book which is different to the Torah. The Torah, the Torah, or the Torah, is something that was given to Musa, to Moses, salam, Right? And then the Talmud is something different, and it is something that contains the, the opinions and the views and the, the, you know, the, the, of, of these rabbis. And so when they wrote the Talmud, they incorporated a lot of this superstition and magic and numerology and astronomy and so on and so forth. And essentially, the religion of the Jews at that time, from that time till, to now, it became essentially you know, uh, intrinsically full of uh, magic and superstition and spells and so on and so forth. And this is where we, you, you've probably heard the word, the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah is the word which represents Jewish magic. And the Kabbalah is something which, which, which originates from the Talmud and from the time that the Jews spent in, in Babylon, from where they learned all of, the, of this magic. And now again, uh, inshallah, maybe when we look at the pictures, I can give you some, some examples of that. And so when you see amongst the Muslims, when you see amongst the Muslims, they uh, you know, uh, are involved in this type of magic, and you'll see in many of the spells which are written, there are squares with you know, uh, numbers on the magic squares and certain symbols and so on and so forth. All of this is exactly the same and identical to the Kabbalah, to the, to, the, to the magic of the Jews, which has its origin, which is found in the Talmud, and which has its origin with the, with the, 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 the star worshippers in Babylon, and who are the descendants of, of Nimrud. So anyway, in the, the, the point being that in this verse in the Qur'an, in which Allah, Allah is basically freeing and exonerating Solomon, Prophet Suleiman, from the claim of magic, and Allah is explaining to the people that this magic actually came from the devils, from the devils in Babylon, and likewise from Harut and Marut. And Allah is explaining that whoever partakes in any of this knowledge, then it is something which constitutes disbelief. It is disbelief. And Allah also explains in this verse that none of this magic can actually have any effect except by Allah's permission. Except by Allah's permission. And so, and, and finally Allah says that this is an evil, what an evil, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, it's something that evil, it's something evil for which they sell their souls. Because someone who involves, is involved in magic, he has to sell his soul, as we will see shortly, inshallah ta'ala. So anyway, this brings us now to how does magic work? We understand, we understand magic, we understand that magic is something that involves the agency of the jinn. No jinn, no magic. Uh, no devils, no magic. Right? So how practically does it actually now take place? How does it take place? And for this... Basically how it happens is there are two elements to uh, a magic spell. The first is what is called, and when, when the scholars speak of magic, there are two, two words. First is what they call Al-Qa'idah. Al-Qa'idah. And the second is what they call Al-Khadim. Al-Qa'idah, when we say Al-Qa'idah, we're not speaking about Al-Qa'idah, the, you know, the, 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 the Osama bin Laden and these other uh, nasty evil people uh, who are a tribulation upon the Muslims. The word Al-Qaeda means a base. And here, when we are speaking of Al-Qaeda, this means that there is a, a base and a foundation for the magic. And this base and foundation for the magic is usually, it takes the form of something which a person drinks, something that's placed in something which is drunk, or it is something that pl- it is placed in the food, which reaches the stomach, 
or it is something which is planted in the soil, or it is something which is placed in the water, or it is something which is planted like in a house, in the foundations of a house, or it is something that's buried in the dust. So no matter how it, how it is done, there are many different ways that it is done. But the, the first element of magic is something which normally something which is written or something where you have certain knots which are tied. And we will look at these examples a bit later on, inshallah. But this is the first part of the execution of magic. Right? This is the first part of the execution uh, of magic. And uh, so what happens is so that a person has this thing, which is the spell or the incantation or something which is written. It has some, you know, uh, symbols upon it. I don't know if you want to bring some of the pictures up on the, on, on the screen. If you just scroll, okay, go past that one. Second, third, fourth. Uh, okay, you can stop on that one. This is an example of where you can see um, um, this is slide number five, and you can see on here where you can see certain symbols. And what these people do, this is really written by someone who, who is a Muslim and who claims to be a righteous, pious person. And what they often do is that they will, to deceive the people, they will put in a lot of Islamic terminology. So you will see in there some of Allah's names. You will see in there the name of the Prophet Muhammad. You will see in there the name of uh, some of the companions like Uthman on the right-hand side. And likewise Ali on the left-hand side. But all of this is just deception. This is just to deceive the people to make them look that this is something religious. But in reality, you see that there are certain strange names and characters in Arabic or certain names in Arabic that you can't really make sense of. And these are the names of the jinn. These are the names of the jinn. And so, and if you also take note of that five-pointed star, most of these spells, they have a five-pointed star. And again, we will look at what that means and what that symbol represents a bit later on, inshallah ta'ala. If you go through the next one, another one. Uh, okay, again, you can see the five symbols. You can see all those squares which have the numbers in, and all of that is taken from the Kabbalah, from the Jewish Kabbalah, the magic, which are the magic uh, numbers, which are taken from the numerology, from the, from the, the star worshippers. If you go to the next one quickly, uh, again, you can see the five-pointed stars, this is slide number seven, and you can see those strange characters at the top, which are written in reverse, and you, don't re you can't really tell what they are, and you see these grids at the bottom. Again, this again is, these are just... Uh, hidden ways of representing the names of the jinn. If you go to the next one, you can see the square in the middle. This is spelled, This is slide number 7a. You see that sli uh, the magic square in the middle. That magic square is uh, uh, it, it, all of its sides add up to number 15. So if you look at the way the numbers are arranged, all of them add up to number 15. And this, if you want to know where this comes from, if you can go right back to slide, slide number 20, or go forward to slide number 20, We'll go all the way to slide number 20. Uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. You can see some more of the same thing there. Keep going. Here, if you look at 20, slide number 20A, you see that this is, uh, if you look at this magic square at the top, that is something that represents Saturn, represents the planet Saturn. And so different squares are representations, like you have the four uh, rows, four columns, that square which adds up to 34 no matter which way you do it that represents Jupiter uh, and so what they believe, again this magic is taken by the Jews from the Babylonians who were star worshippers and then they incorporated this into the Talmud and then this came to the Muslims 
And so you can see the strong similarities. And really what, what they represent, these symbols, they often represent the so-called spirits who are supposedly inhabiting these planets, like Jupiter, Saturn, because you used to believe that the, that the, that the, that the planets are inhabited by spirits, and they used to worship those spirits. And really, these are just representations of the jinn and so on and so forth. So you can see that this symbolism which is being used in many of these magic uh, spells and so on and so forth, which are written by, by people who claim to be is, uh, Muslims and, and from Islam, that these symbolisms are such that they represent star worship, and idol worship, and the worship of the jinn, and calling upon the jinn. And so anyway, the, the, the point being here, that the first part of how magic works is that it begins with something, something like this, some of the things that we've seen. If you want to scroll back maybe to some of the slides. Again, you can see some of these different ways and methods. Uh, you have like, this is like a, uh, someone's hair, which is wrapped around certain cords and cotton and things like that. If you want to go back to the next one forward. This is, you can see like a screw, an actual bronze uh, screw. And around it, there are certain knots which are tied are using like cords and some cotton and some pieces of wool. If you go back, back uh, again, you see pieces of paper which will contain some of those symbols and numbers and wrapped in, into different things and they, they, they leave them in a certain place. Keep going back. Again, you can see many of the same things. Back, back again. Uh, the other way, the other way, the other way. The other way, that's it. Back, 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 back. Again, another one. Even, you see, this is a fish on the, left, on the right hand side. This is a fish that was found within which someone planted and placed a particular... Uh, this is slide number 15, slide number 15 now. Uh, you can see that on the, on the right-hand side is a fish, and within the fish's stomach, there was one of those papers which had the incantations and the spell placed into the fish, and then put back into the, in, 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 you know, into, into the sea or into the ocean. And on the, right, the left-hand side, you see even on eggs, people can write spells even on, on eggs. If you want to go back to slide 14... Uh, this is another example of a, of a cord, uh, and in that little thing at the end, the little round thing at the end, at the bottom, there'll be probably a wrapped up piece of paper, all wrapped up, and it will be placed upon someone's neck, and that will be a spell, spell upon them. If you want to go back to number 13, uh, these are just a lot of materials which are found, which is from the materials of a magician. You see lots of uh, cotton and cords and pieces of cloth, and uh, you, know, you have locks as well, and you know, things of that nature, and amulets, next, 12. This is a magician's uh, clothing. The next one, 11. Okay, locks are quite uh, commonly used. And a lock is often used where you want to, for example, make a husband and wife come together or to separate them. Or, for example, one person wants to get married to another one and they want to bring about this type of magic where they, 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 they make them infatuated with each other. So often a key and a lock is used. And so they put the lock in the key, and then with sellotape, they put the spell, like the thing that they write, and they tie around uh, the lock, and then this is left in some place, and, you know, this is an another method that is used. Back, you can see even in water, right at the bottom, this is slide number 10, at the bottom of the, the bottle, you can see that certain spells have been placed in the water, and again, the issue with that is that when, when someone drinks from that water, that the magic will, or the effect will, will take place. Next one. Okay, now, this, if you, if you remember, this is slide number nine. If you want to go back one first, back one, okay. This is slide number eight. And remember, you saw in some of those spells, you saw five stars. Did you see those five stars? In some of the written uh, uh, spells, you have like five stars and numbers and then Allah's name and whatever. 
But what those five stars represent, it represents this picture here. And this is a representation of Iblis, of the devil. And the reason why this is a symbol of magic is, do you remember right at the very beginning when I said, when I said to you, that Iblis, when he came to Adam, he made, promise, he made a promise of four things, didn't he? Promised him four things. He said that there's secret knowledge that Allah kept you away from, that you can achieve immortality, that you can achieve an eternal kingdom, that you can become like an angel, right? Now there are some people who it is from their religion, and these are the, the devil worshippers, it is from their religion that they believe that Iblis is the one who was correct. That Iblis was correct, and that when he came to Adam alayhi salam, and he told him that the only reason why you're prevented from this tree is because there is secret knowledge, there is esoteric hidden knowledge that is being kept from you, that will allow you to become immortal and live eternally and have an everlasting kingdom, right? And so there are people on this earth who believe this as a religion. They actually believe it as a religion. And that is who they worship. They worship Iblis. And this is from the symbolism of, of Iblis, this uh, five-pointed star. And anyway, if you go to the next slide, number, you see that there is a snake now. Now there is a snake around the five-pointed star, and you see the crown on the top. And what that means, what that represents is that the snake, that, which is Iblis, who came in the form of a snake to Adam, and the crown on top of the snake, that it is Iblis who is king. That it is Iblis who, who is the real God in truth. And it is Iblis who brings the truth. Because the truth to them is that mankind can achieve eternal life. And they've just got to find the route and the way to it. And the way they will find it is that if they, you know, and really what they are doing is they're worshipping Iblis, they're worshipping the devil. And they believe that somehow that they will find the keys to eternal life and never ever die. And a person will live forever and so on and so forth. And this is something that they are pursuing. And so, so when you see that these five pointed stars, you find them in some of the, the magic. So if you want to go to maybe some of the uh, examples, go back, maybe go back to backwards. Yeah, if you stop there, you can see the five stars on that one, or at the bottom, you can see stars in that one, you can see five stars in that one. All of that represents Iblis. Right? And you see, that's why I said to you before, that when you see these people uh, coming across as Muslims, coming across as pious, coming across as healers, and you find that they are involved in this type of stuff, have no doubt that they are magicians. They are magicians. And they are not pious people, rather they are wicked, evil people. And you will see why, because in order for them, for this magic to work, you see that they have to do really filthy, vile, evil things. Anyway, where are we? What we were discussing was, how does magic work? Right? So the first element of magic is the actual base and the foundation, which is... One of those things, right? So a magician, he writes something and he puts these symbols upon the magic and he writes some weird uh, names and numbers in which we don't know what they are, but really they are the names of the jinn. They are the names of the jinn. And just like amongst mankind, you see that amongst mankind, there are the common people, the average person, then you have the ministers, then you have the kings, then you have the really powerful people. Amongst the jinn, it is exactly the same. Amongst the jinn, there are the really high, powerful people, the powerful kings, and then there are, there are ministers, and then there are, other, then there are lower jinn, so there's a hierarchy. And so what happens is, that once this uh, spell is written, 
and it is then delivered to the individual, right? Either through food, through drink, or it is planted in some place. Then this magician, now this is the second point, this is the second part of it now. The first part is the actual, as we said, the base and the foundation. The second part is now, is when the magician, he goes to the devils, he will go and he will call out, right? He will now invoke the devils. Oh, so and so. He will mention certain names, and he will, and he's already written the, the 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 magic spell, and basically what he's doing is like a type of contract, and so what he will say, he will say, oh, oh, because their names have been written in this talisman or this spell, so there will be certain names. He will then call out and say, oh, so and so. So now he's calling upon that jinn, that devil, and he is from the high-ranking devils. He will say, oh, so and so. In the name of this, I entrust this talisman to you. I entrust this talisman to you. That I ask you to go and do such and such. Separate between a man and his wife. Or go and create such and such a problem for this individual. Or go and do such and such for this, to this individual. So basically he's invoking the devil. And he is uh, invoking and, and uh, asking for his assistance. For him to go and to implement the actual magic. To go now fulfill the magic. Then what will happen is that on the jinn side, these high level, high ranking jinns who are from the senior jinns, they will then send a lower ranking jinn and they will send him to the individual who is the target of the magic. And then that, that jinn will then start implementing and executing that magic. And so all the effects and the symptoms of the magic, all of it is by way of a jinn that will come and he will either try to enter the person, and if he can't enter, the, there's different types of magic. Some of, the, some of it is where the jinn has to enter, and others is where the jinn is not able to enter, so the type of magic is slightly different. But we will, we will, we will discuss this uh, uh, shortly. So anyway, uh, you see that this is how magic is actually uh, implemented. Basically, the magician is someone who is in contact with the jinn, and the spell is written, and then the target is found, he then goes out and he invokes the jinn, and it's like a type of contract between the magician and, 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 and the jinn. And remember what we said at the very beginning, that the jinn are those who want to misguide mankind. So they will only assist the magicians if the magicians obey them. And obey them means that they will have to do certain things. They will have to do certain things. This now brings us to the next issue, which is what does a man or a woman have to do in order to become a magician? What does a man or a woman have to do in order to become a magician and in order for him to win the assistance of the devils? And so from this, uh, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, uh, as we said in the Quran, that indeed they know that whoever buys, whoever purchases anything of magic, they will not have any share in the hereafter. And when you see, as, as you've seen, that magic relies upon the jinn. And one thing you should understand right now is that there is no magic without the jinn. Magic never ever takes place except with the assistance of the jinn. And in order for the jinn to obey the magicians and to fulfill the needs of the magicians, then the magician has to do certain things. And this you, this you should be under no illusion about that no one can be a magician unless he is prepared to do some of the things that we are now going to mention.
Okay? So from those things that a magician must do is that he has to outright disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has to outright announce his disbelief. He might he will do this in secret, but outwardly he might pretend to be a Muslim or whatever else, but in secretly he has to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or he has to revile Allah or curse Allah or you know do certain things which are uh, you know, a great opposition or in violation of Allah's rights. So this is the first thing. Second thing is that he might just abandon the prayer. Right? So here he has to abandon the symbols of Islam. So a magician might be told that you must not pray at, at all, and you must never wash, you must never whatever, and you, you know, impose certain things upon him. And so from those things that he will never ever pray. Or he might ask him to violate some of the sanctities of Islam. To desecrate some of the symbols of Islam. Like for example, he might throw the Qur'an and throw the Mus'haf into the toilet. Or he has to tie the Qur'an to his feet and walk upon dirt. Walk upon, walk in, in the toilet area with that upon his feet. This is what they have to do. Or he has to, some, for example, he has to commit incest. Now these are things that which are not being made, I'm not making these things up. These, this is true and this is real. That these are some of the actions that the magicians have to perform in order to win the assistance of the devils, to win the assistance of the jinn. Likewise, sometimes he has to write the Quran with impurities, either with feces or with menstrual blood. With menstrual blood. And often, if you go to slide one, two, and three, if you go to the first, second, and third slide, you will see that some of those who do magic, now this you can see at the top there. This is, this, this is a woman who was found doing magic by taking the Qur'an, wrapping it around that, uh, it's basically it is a, a tampon. And which she then has to insert in order to cover, make the menstrual blood come in contact with the Qur'an. Uh, this is something that a magician, like a female magician, has to do in order for the magic for it to work. Because the jinn will not implement and execute the magic unless they see from an individual that he or she is prepared to pay the price for that magic to, be, to, to, to work. And this is why Allah says in the Qur'an that you know, what a miserable price that, they've, you know, that, that, that those who purchase magic, then they have no share in the hereafter at all. And so again, second example, uh, slide number two, where they have again menstrual blood on the Qur'an. And what they do is that they coil and wrap that page of the Qur'an in such a way that a certain verse has to be showing. Like you see in that verse, لَوْ شَاءَ رَبُّكَ right? They specify that a certain part of the verse has to be on the outside and has to be displayed. And then they, they cover it in menstrual blood. And so again you can see that this is from, from, from the actions that you know, these evil people have to perform. And this is why we should be in absolutely no doubt that any individual no matter how pious he appears to be, no matter how long his beard is, no matter what dress he wears, no matter whether he prays or fasts, or he makes an appearance of, of praying and fasting, if he's involved in any type of magic that involves the jinn, or you see him writing these things with these symbols and so on and so forth, you should, have, you should have absolutely no doubt in your mind that he is a worshipper of the jinn. He's a worshipper of the devils, and he must be doing something like this for the devils to be to be obeying him. Anyway, also from the signs is, from the, from the things that a person, like a magician, he will have to remain in a room, for example, for 40 days, 
and never come in contact with water, meaning he has to be filthy and dirty. Or, for example, he must uh, remain in the state of janaba, meaning that he has had marital relations with his wife, sexual relations with his wife, then he must remain in that state for 40 days and not become pure. Right? Because the jinns like filth and impurity and whatever, and so they want the magician to be filthy and impurity. And uh, so anyway, these are the things that you see that the jinns, they demand from uh, the, 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 the magicians. And you see that likewise, even those who are from other religions, like amongst the Jews, amongst the Christians, those who are involved in magic, that even they will be doing similar things. Why? Because the jinns in general, uh, or the, 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 the jinns, they, they dislike the very notion and idea of prophethood and revelation. Right? The idea and the concept of prophet and revelation, they dislike that type of thing. So even amongst the Jews and Christians, there will be, for example, Christians who will be trying to implement magic, and so the jinn will say to them, revile Jesus, revile Christ. You know, desecrate, uh, you know, whatever. Right? And so the Christian will do that thing, which, you know, and so then they win the assistance of, of, of the devils. And this happens amongst the, the, the Jews and the Christians because the jinns in general, as we said, the Iblis, he dislikes the notion of prophethood and the notion of revelation because it is something which guides, you know, which guides uh, Adam and his offspring. Anyway, so from this now, we will now move, inshallah, swiftly into the various types of magic. As this is important, so you need to pay attention to this, inshallah ta'ala. And so we will mention nine types of magic. There are nine types of magic that can be implemented. And we will mention each one, some of its symptoms and how it occurs, whatever. So inshallah, pay attention. And so from the first type is what we call sihr at-tafriq. The first type of magic is the sihr, which is the magic by which separation is brought about. And we see that this was the very magic that was taught by Harut and Marut, the two angels, to the people in Babylon. Right? They taught the people there how to separate a man from his wife, or a wife from her husband. And so the proof, the proof for this is that verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah mentions how they taught the people how to separate a man from his wife. And likewise, there is another statement of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where he said that indeed Iblis, the devil, his throne is above the water. So we believe that Iblis has a throne and his throne is somewhere above the water. Then what happens is that delegations of jinn come to him. I Meaning the jinn which are from his offspring, they come to him. And one delegation comes to him and he says, Oh, I did such and such and I did such and such. And so Iblis brings him close, him close to himself. Then another jinn comes and he says, You know what I did? I did not leave a man and a woman up until I separated them. You know, I separated them. Meaning split them in, in, in marriage. And so then Iblis, he brings him really close to himself. And he says, yes, you are the one. A meaning that Iblis is someone that when there is a type of magic that splits between a man and a woman, that this is from the greatest of the corruption and which takes place in society, that this is, some, this is, this is something that he really likes and is really beloved to him. So this type of magic is something that is beloved to him. So anyway... This is the proof of, that this type of magic exists. And uh, what happens is there are many reasons behind uh, this type of magic. And sometimes the way this magic has an effect is, as we said as we said to you before, remember that all magic takes place by way of a base and a foundation, that something is written and you know, is planted or given to someone to eat or whatever. And then eventually a jinn 
is designated to go and execute the magic because the magician has already worshipped worshipped the devils and then the devils at the top have now uh, sent a lower level jinn to now and go and execute the magic. Right? So the magician has a need from the jinn, so he worships them. Right? His need may be that he wants to make money. So it is from his business that he does magic and performs magic. So people come to him and so he makes money. So he is you know, purchasing a miserable price. So this is why he enters into it. So he writes magic, so he uses the agency of the jinn, he worships the jinn, he performs disbelief, he performs uh, polytheism in order to win the assistance of the jinn. Then the jinn in turn, they like to be worshipped. They like to be worshipped. So then they will fulfill the contract that the magician has made with them. So then they will send a lower level jinn, that jinn will then go to that individual he will know to go to that individual because maybe he has a hair or the sweat from that individual or the clothing of that individual or the picture of the face of that individual. So then he will go and to find that individual. No matter where he is upon this earth, he will be dispatched to him. Then this jinn will come and then depending on what type of magic it is. So if the magic is for example to split a man from his wife, then what will begin to, begin to happen is that now the man when he looks at his wife, the wife will appear ugly. Or the wife will perceive a very strong, horrible smell from her husband. Even though it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Rather, it's something that the, that the woman is made to perceive in her senses. That this, by this, this man, he smells and I can't, I can't bear it anymore. I can't stand it anymore. And, and so on and so forth. So all of these little things start happening between the husband and the wife up until it becomes unbearable. And so the woman can't bear it for the husband to be in the house, and the husband can't bear it just to look at the wife and so on and so forth. And eventually it, put, put, it makes them frustrated up until they decide to separate and divorce. And so now the magic has been fulfilled. Right? This is, this is what we call the magic, the sihr of at tafriq. And this is not unique to a man and his wife, rather it is between, you know, uh, it can be between any people. It can be between a father and the son, between two brothers, between uh, a friend, between a neighbor, between so on and so forth. Right? It can be between any of these uh, different relationships. And so what will happen is that all of this problem will be caused up until it reaches a point where they, you know, they can't take it anymore. So from the signs of this magic taking place, this particular magic is, from some of the signs is that sometimes you see that uh, a person just quickly changes, the, 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 the personality just quickly slips and changes to something else. One minute you're like, everything's fine, all of a sudden there's like intense hatred. And dislike, you know, like you just start flipping very quickly in, in terms of the character and personality. And another sign is that, you know, between a husband and wife or uh, people between whom magic is done, is that a very small, minute issue all of a sudden becomes a huge and great issue. There's the smallest, silliest little thing. Start, you now it becomes the greatest, you know, thing. Start making big things out of small things. And likewise, as we said before, that. Uh, a man starts imagining and seeing things or perceiving things in his wife which is not actually real and vice versa. Right, these are from the signs and from the symptoms of this particular uh, type of magic. And again, the way this happens is that the magician, he has the name of the target and the mother of that individual who is the target and then he writes the talisman, he writes the, the magic, then he goes and takes it and plants it somewhere and then he goes to the jinn and obviously he does whatever he does and so on and so forth. So anyway, this is the first type of magic. And the second type of magic is what we call At-Tiwala. Sihr, or what we call Sihr Al-Mahabba. This is the type of magic that relates to trying to bring two people together. 
to make two, two people to love each other. And this is often found when, for example, within families, that so-and-so wants to get you know, his son or daughter married to so-and-so, or so-and-so want their daughter to get married to so-and-so, but there's no chance of it happening. So what they do is they start performing magic, and the aim of the magic is to try and get the two people to, you know, to, to, to love each other, and to become close to each other. And this type of magic uh, is, uh, again, what we call a tiwala. It is known as, and the messenger, peace be upon him, he mentioned it specifically, uh, and, and, and he said that indeed, that these incantations and talismans and atiwala, this type of magic, is something which is polytheism. It involves polytheism. So anyway, what this uh, is in what what, what this is, uh, what what this type of magic does, the effect that it has is that it creates a type of obsession, obsession between two individuals, and it makes them to have a strong desire, and it tries to bond and unite two people together. And again, this is often done. The different circumstances in which this type of magic takes place is maybe um, there is sometimes, for example, uh, uh, you know, there's differences which have occurred between a husband and wife, and so because the wife does not want the husband to separate or to become, you know, then she will have the magic done in order to keep the husband bonded and tied with her, and so, you know, there are many situations like this where, uh, you know, this type of magic is done. Sometimes the woman might you know, perform this magic upon the husband because she wants a share in his wealth. You know, she wants to take some of his wealth or maybe she's scared that the husband might be pursuing some other you know, woman or whatever. And so then this type of magic is implemented and it makes the husband to be obsessed and infatuated with, you know, with his wife or the other way around. Right? And it can be used in different types of uh, circumstances. So again, uh, this is the second type of magic. The third type of magic is the magic of at-takhil which is imagining things. That way you start imagining things. And this type of magic is the type of magic that was performed by the sorcerers of Fir'aun, the magicians of Pharaoh. The magic they performed is that they bewitched the eyes of the people. Like Allah says in the Qur'an, Allah in fact mentions this in the Qur'an, uh, that when the magicians threw down what they threw down, فَلَمَّا أَلْقَوْ سَحَرُوا أَعْيُنَ النَّاسِ that when they threw down what they threw down, they bewitched the eyes of the people. So what happens in this type of magic is that you see something or you imagine something which isn't really happening, right? So, you know, uh, you start imagining things and perceiving things and seeing things and hearing things and whatever, but it's not really actually happening in external reality. But you think it, it, it's happening. And so, again, uh, for example, a, might, a person might see something moving, but it's not actually moving. He might see something still, but it's actually moving. And, you know, and, and so, so in other words, his senses are being played with. And uh, so this is another type of magic. And this is what we call Sihr At-Takhil. And so there are, there are certain ways that when you, when you are under the influence of this type of magic, there are ways that you can you know, treat yourself, which we will look at later on, inshallah. The fourth type of magic is Sihr Al-Junoon. Uh, when a person becomes mad. He actually is, he becomes mad. And... Uh, what happens in this type of magic is that a person becomes very forgetful. Uh, he, in his speech, he starts stumbling, can't really speak properly. Um, he doesn't like really feel settled in one place. He starts moving from one place to another place. He doesn't like, just feel at ease in one place. You know, his eyes quickly, you know, start moving around like this, and they can't be settled in one place. And his eyes are moving around. Um, and uh, you know, so th- these are some of the, some of the. Signs of that type of magic that he doesn't know really where he is. He's in a daze. He's like somewhere else, 
and whatever. And all of these are from the symptoms of what we call Sihr al-Junoon, where the, a person starts going, you know, like, you know, you know, like basically losing his, 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 his senses. And the way, how, how does this, uh, how does this type of magic work? The way this magic works is that a jinn, when he comes, he enters into the brain. A lot of this type of magic is when the, the jinn enters into the brain, and the jinn, he plays about with those parts of the brain which are responsible for certain functions. So for example, a person might become slurry in his speech, a person might just become, you know, he might just go off in, in a daze and not know where he is and, you know, not really be in control of his senses. Or maybe, and so, uh, you know, he's confused in his thinking, can't, he can't think straight anymore. So what the jinn is doing, that for that magic to take effect, he's actually playing about in the person's brain and, and, and creating those types of, uh, you know, effects. And so, this, the, 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 that's the fourth type. The fifth type is what we call the magic of lethargy. When a person becomes lethargic, he can't be bothered doing anything. He just wants to sit around and lays around. And he's got no desire for anything. So what happens here is that he always wants to be alone. He's always very quiet. He's got like, he might have like headaches all the time. And uh, he might uh, uh, feel lethargic, don't want to do anything, hasn't got any motivation, hasn't got any desire, wants to sit around or whatever. Then again, this is a type of, a type of uh, uh, magic. And again, this is brought about by the jinn coming into the brain and again affecting those areas of the brain that are that, that, that are tied to a person wanting to like you know have a motivation and, and intent and activity and so on and so forth and thinking. Uh, number seven, uh, number six. Sorry, the seventh type of magic that is done is what we call sihr al hawatif, and this means that, that a person starts hearing voices or whisperings or things come into the mind. And so, for example, a person might, you know, be having like really weird dreams or confused dreams, or he sees things in his dreams, or he might even hear voices and things are going on in his head and suggestions are put inside his mind, or he has many starts having lots of doubts about his friend, his friends, you know, uh, is his friend out to get me, or is he with me, or is he against me, or what did, did what did he mean by this? What did he mean by that? Is he trying to say this about me? So, in other words, he starts having all these doubts in his mind. And every little thing that he said, he starts like, you know, what, what did he mean by that? And so, in his mind, all, all these voices start coming and he starts becoming confused. Starts to become really confused and, you know, hearing all these different things. And some of, the, some of the signs of this type of magic is often that maybe in his dream, he might see certain animals which might be chasing him. He's being chased by animals. Or he might, for example, feel as if he's falling from a high place into, into a certain place. Or he might feel as if he's like trapped and he can't like do something. And if he doesn't do something, he's going to have an accident, but he's like feels trapped or something. And these are generally from the kind of symptoms uh, in a person's dreams, which might be indicative that this type of magic is being done upon uh, a person. And uh, so this is the sixth type of magic. The seventh type of magic is illness. Because magic can also be used to produce illness in people. And so how do we tell the difference between a genuine illness and an illness which has come through by the jinn? So what do, we mean, what do we mean by illness? By illness we mean that for example sometimes someone might have like a pain in the arm or a constant headache which never disappears or a pain in the foot or something of that nature. And uh, this, this is, um, you know, like someone might become paralyzed or might not be able to move a certain part of his body. Then again, this is something which can be, which have its, or, have its origins in magic. 
And so from the signs, what are the signs you can tell whether this is magic or whether it is a genuine illness, whether genuinely you have like a physical problem or what, what is, is magic? How do you tell? And the way that you do this, uh, there are ways that you can tell that when you recite the Qur'an upon, when you recite Allah's speech upon the individual, you recite the Qur'an, there are certain signs that you can see that allows you to distinguish between whether it is a genuine illness or whether it is the effect of magic. And from those signs are, is that first of all, when the person starts hearing the Qur'an, he starts feeling numbness, right? The limb starts going numb, he can't feel the limb anymore. Right, he can't feel the, num- the, the, the limb, so it starts going numb. He can't feel it. Number two is that he will start trembling. The extremes of his, you know, hands and the arms and the feet, whatever, he'll start seeing trembling. He'll start trembling. That's the second, another sign. Having a strong headache. That will be a third sign. And fourthly, yeah, I mean, these are some of the, the, the basic signs that when you see a person, when you recite upon them, that he will start manifesting these signs. That tells you that this illness he has is actually from the influence of, of the magic and from the, from the jinn. And again, how does this happen? This happens because part of the magic is that the, the, the jinn have sent a jinn to come into an individual and to occupy that particular part in the body, the arm, the foot, the leg, whatever, or the, or the head or whatever, and then to create that pain and to you know, keep that pain there. And uh, so... Uh, and you know, and it could be that the person can't see properly. It could be he can't feel his hand properly. Could be that he's feeling numb in a certain place. All of that is because a jinn has come and occupied that place, and is now you know affecting that particular magic. This is the um, seventh type. The eighth type of magic is what we call the magic of al istihada, and this relates specifically to women. And this is when women, when they have their menstruation, and they find that the menstrual blood never see, or they think that it's menstrual blood, that it never stops for months and months and months and months, and they keep bleeding, maybe for weeks and weeks or months and months. And this type is, as we said, this is actually magic which is being performed on the women. And uh, this, uh, what, what happens here is, and often women who have had magic done upon them, they will often have this as a sign and as a manifestation, and there will also be other signs and manifestations like for example having a pain in the lower back having a pain in the disc at the, at the back in the lower back and having irregular bleeding a bleeding that continues for weeks and weeks or months and months on end and and so all of this is is from a type of magic and so this type is when again the jinn is sent and the jinn comes and it enters into the the, the body and it takes uh, you know residence in a certain part of uh, or, or a vein and it you know, causes that vein to continually bleed. So it is not actually menstrual blood, but it is actually a vein that's bleeding. And this again is from the uh, from the types uh, of magic. This is something that the messenger, peace be upon him, he specifically mentioned in this regard uh, in the sunnah. So that is also a type of magic. And type number nine, the ninth type is the magic that tries to uh, basically um, prevent a marriage. There's also marriage, there's also type of magic that Magic that tries to prevent a marriage, just like there is a type of magic that tries to bring about a marriage, right? So maybe someone is jealous, and he doesn't want so-and-so to get married to so-and-so, so then they will, you know, want some magic to be done. So the magic will be done. What will happen now is uh, that all of a sudden this person will start having a terrible fear of that other person, right? So the, 
that the two people will start hating each other, disliking each other, um, you know, and 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 uh, you know. So again, many of the effects that we mentioned before that they will make sure that these people do not get married and. These people will not be able to stand the sight of each other and hate each other and, and so on and so forth. And so they will you know, try to prevent a marriage from taking place. And um, what will happen, uh, there are certain signs of this type of magic as well, is that, the, that this individual who is the target of this magic again, he will look at the, one who, the person who is supposed to be getting married to, he will see her as very ugly and horrible and vice versa that she will see him as ugly and horrible and smelly and can't bear him and can't stand him and so on and so forth and that the person will always have headaches and uh, unable to sleep and have a disturbed sleep and, and have a pain in the lower back as well all of these are kind of signs and manifestations that there's some issue of, of magic here taking place you know either to prevent these two from getting married or to you know even harm you know ha- harm the marriage if they are already married so anyway these are some of the forms and types of magic and as you as we said none of this magic takes place except by way of a jinn except through the agency of a jinn and uh, this this leads us now to uh, some of the signs of a magician how would you recognize a magician whether someone is someone who is genuine and using the correct methods to treat somebody which is from the quran and the sunnah or whether someone is actually a pretender and a charlatan and a fraud and a magician who is actually involved in the type of thing that we've seen on, 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 on the board. And there are certain signs that you will tell straight away that this is a magician. He is definitely using the agency of the jinn. So from those signs we will mention, number one, that the, that the magician, he will ask you for some clothing. Right? So if you go to this person, he says, tell you what, I will either cure somebody or I will put magic on somebody. Just bring me his clothing. It's got to be at least worn for a couple of days. Just bring me his clothing straight away. And it has to be in direct contact with the body. So clothing which is directly in contact with the body. Because they want some of, something of the, of the sweat of the individual. Because through that they can target the individual directly by the use of the jinn. The jinn will know exactly who to go to. So that's one of the signs. If he asks you bring me some clothing. That is definitely a magician and a worshipper of the devils. No doubt. No doubt. Even as I said, even if he comes to you with a beard and a thobe, goes to the mosque, prays, fasts, appears to be pious, gives charity, do not be deceived by the appearances. If you see any of these signs, have no doubt that this person is using and worshipping uh, the jinn. And so he must have done some of those things to win the assistance of the jinn. So number one, he'll ask you for some clothing. Number two, he will ask you the name and the name of your mother specifically. Right? So we'll say, okay, I, I can treat some person easily. Just tell me what is... So sometimes when you ring these people, like these healers, they put their ads in the newspapers, on the web, and they do drop the leaflets into your house. You know, do you have a problem? Have a problem with your neighbor? Having a problem in, in your marriage? Sick of your wife? Sick of your husband? Sick of your mother-in-law? Sick of your father-in-law? You know, whatever, whatever. Just ring this number. And then so when you speak to them, and they'll say, right, what is your name? What's your name of your mother? So it has to be specifically the mother. For the, for the magic to, you know. So when you see someone asking you, tell me your name and the name of your mother, you should know that he is a worshipper of the devils. He's a worshipper of the jinn. And he is, in, that he, no doubt he will have to commit kufr and shirk for him to win the agency of the, of, of, of the devils. Number three is often you see that he will chant and mumble something that you can't even understand. You don't know what on earth he's saying. Right, he'll like blow around and like this, whatever, and then mumble something, and, but he doesn't really want you to hear it, what it is. Right? 
that is a sign that this person is a magician and is not someone who is a, 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 a genuine person who's, who's treating by the Quran but rather this is a magician and they have some connection to the jinn and the devils so basically they're chanting and mumbling something and blowing and this whatever and you can't really understand what it is that they're saying whereas someone who treats according to the Quran and the Sunnah he will read what is clearly known to you Surah Al-Fatiha Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ayatul Kursi in, in the Quran the three calls at the end of the Quran and many other the du'as from the Prophet wasallam. It's very clear to you. He's not hiding anything from you. You know, he's, he's doing ruqya according to the Quran Sunnah. But a, a, a charlatan, a fraudster, a lie, a swindler and a cheat from his signs is that, that, that mumbling little things and you can't really hear what he's saying and what, what on earth is he talking about. This is a third sign. The fourth sign that maybe this person is actually treating you with magic is that he will say to you, keep away from such and such person for four weeks or for 30 days. Or go in isolation in a room in your house, no light, no nothing, whatever, and you know, stay in there for a week. Any of these funny little things that you hear which like really don't really make any sense, where you, he's asking you to be in isolation, this is another sign that this person is involved with the devils and with the jinn. Often he will find that he, was, he is using a dark room. Sometimes when you go to the houses of these people, you go to the house, you might find it really smelly and awful. In a dark room, this guy will look very scruffy and scrumpled and whatever. And oh, this is from the signs of a magician. And he'll take you into a room, it's very dark, there's no light, it's you know, whatever. And this is also from the sign that this guy is involved in, in you know, in, in magic and, and in, in, in worship of the devils. Um, another sign is that they will ask you to sacrifice an animal. They will say to you, for example, take a chicken, slaughter the chicken, go and take it to a certain place, take its blood and sprinkle its blood in, in, in a certain way or upon a certain house in a certain place. All of this is from, uh, what they're really do, doing is asking you to sacrifice to a jinn. And sacrifice, a dhabh, is from the greatest forms of worship, which is only due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when they ask you to sacrifice an animal or something like that, this is a sign that this individual is a magician. And he's asking you to worship the jinn. So basically what he's saying to you, is that go and do this action, worship the jinn, obey them, and they themselves will then, you know, stop the magic. So you can't treat magic in that way, because now you have disbelieved. You have now fallen into that which is disbelief. Because this is what the jinn want from you, and this is why you have to be careful that when people are suffering from magic, that often what will happen is that if they were to use one of these methods, the magic might stop. Right? And that's because the jinn have achieved their goal of making you fall into that which is kufr and disbelief, and therefore sealed your fate in the hellfire. So now they're happy and laughing. Now they, what's, what's the point of, you know, the, the, the magic won't manifest itself anymore. And you will think that you've now been cured. But in reality, you've sealed your fate and you've entered, you will enter into the, the fire. So, so again, so um, um, also uh, one of the signs is that sometimes when you go to these people, they will say to you, your name is such and such. Your mother's name is such and such. You've come from such and such a place. And you've come to ask me about such and such a thing. Meaning he already knows in advance why you've come. And again, he's doing this through the agency of the jinn. And again, this is a sign that this is a magician. He is a sorcerer. He is a magician who's involved with the devils. Likewise, they will give you things like you've seen on the screen, on the slides. They will give you amulets and they will give you rings and they will give you cards and necklaces and they will give you things to wear. All anyone who tells you any of that thing, any of those things, again, this is a sign that this individual that he is involved in 
magic spells and incantations and so on and so forth, and he's not someone who is genuinely treating you with a book and with, you know, with the with, with the sunnah. Uh, okay, that's uh, sometimes you can see spells being put under trucks as well and in cars and so on and so forth that you can't really, you know, find. Um, okay, uh, also from the signs of a of a, of a, of, a, of a magician is he will mix parts of the Quran. You know, like you saw the examples that we mentioned on the screen. If you go back to maybe slide number four, five, six, some of them, you will see that this magician, because he wants to make you think that he is Islamic, and he wants to make you think that he is using the Quran. So from the deception will be that you will see that he will write many verses of the Quran, mention some of the names of Allah in the, in, 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 in the thing, and they will mention the names of the companions. All of this is just like a swindle. It is a fraud and, 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 and a cheat. But really, what he's really got in there is like some of the symbols that we mentioned, like some of those numbers, the magic squares, some of the, the five-pointed stars, and some names written backward in Arabic, and some of the names of the jinn, because that's really what the, that, that is really what is bringing, uh, bringing about the magic. So basically, he's just trying to swindle people and trying to make them think that this is like Islamic and according to the sunnah. And this is why when you see many of these people walking around with things around their neck and with the, the cord and some you know, square with something wrapped around it, if you were to take it and open it and see what's in there, you might see maybe some Qur'an, but you will see some funny symbols, funny letters, funny numbers, you know, Arabic written, you don't know what it really says, and all of this is really magic. It is actually, this is a magician. So I caution all, all of you, and if you have this in your families and you see people wearing things and going to certain people, you need to be very, very suspicious and you need to be very, very careful because the, as I said to you before, uh, there is a way to treat magic in the right way and there is a way to treat magic in a false and corrupt and evil way. And many of these people who claim to be religious and pious, they are using, the, they, they are, they're actually trying to treat you with magic, treating magic with magic. And this is unlawful, it is haram, not permissible. Okay, and uh, uh, also he will give you, for example, the skin of an animal, or maybe there will be uh, pieces of paper which are mixed with pebbles or stones or wood, and he might ask you to burn them or something, right? This is magic delivered by way of the smoke, right? Also, he might give you a ring to wear, or he might give you a certain garment to keep on, you know, for 24 hours all the time. So all of these things... When you look at all these things, you can see that these are all funny, strange things which are, you know, really, um, which are not the way that the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, advised the Muslims to treat themselves from, from uh, evil things and from the jinn and from magic and so on and so forth. And all of these are from the signs that a person, you know, is, you know, is, is, is involved in the jinn and the worship of the jinn and so on and so forth. This comes to, I think we have to really try and come to a close now, even though I've got a lot of material still. Uh, you know, I wanted to deal with how do you deal and how you treat magic, but we've been, I think we're going to be short on time. Tom, do have to get over here? Nine o'clock? Huh? Quarter to, quarter to nine. Okay. Looks like we're going to have to uh, wind down, inshallah. I think I've got gone through maybe, I've got a third left. And the last third was, you know, how do you treat yourself in the right way? So maybe, inshallah, what we'll do is that on another occasion we will do part two of this lecture. And part two of this lecture is, how do you treat yourself uh, uh, with respect to magic according to the book and the sunnah? What is, how do you treat yourself before you even are affected with magic? The preventative part of it first. And secondly, after you are affected with magic, how do you treat yourself according to the book and sunnah? So inshallah we will have a separate topic. 
just to help us to conclude and to finish that lecture there. But just to conclude now then, uh, we will just finish by mentioning what are, the, what, are the, what, what are the reasons that magic manifests itself in a society. Why is it that magic becomes commonplace? Why is it that magic becomes widespread? And what are the reasons for that? Um, Alhamdulillah, we see that you know, um, in, this, in this ummah, the ummah of the Islam, and we see that Alhamdulillah, magic isn't really openly performed. Not because the Muslims in general, they are aware of magic to a certain degree that it's evil and prohibited. This is why the magicians themselves, they're kind of like really hidden. And they don't come out openly. And this is why, especially those who ascribe themselves to Islam, they will make a manifestation of Islam outwardly. They will pray, they will fast, and they will you know, wear the garb of Islam. So it's not something they come and do openly. It's something kept hidden and secret. But anyway, one of the reasons why from time to time and place to place you see that magic uh, manifests itself is because number one, first of all, you see there is a general weakness in the faith of the people. The people are weak in terms of their knowledge of Allah, His names, His attributes, what constitutes monotheism, what constitutes polytheism, just their general knowledge regarding the affairs of belief. They are weak in this regard. And so when they are weak in this regard, it is something that you know, makes them subject to the influence of magic and the jinn. Number two, we see that unfortunately there is a weakness in terms of enjoining the good and prohibiting the evil. That we have a weakness in this regard. You know, uh, when we see people, you know, we should, we should be enjoining the good, forbidding the evil when it comes to people who are involved in magic. We should be pointing them out and exposing them and warning against them when we see these people. Someone comes and, you know, puts a leaflet in your door, puts a leaflet in your door, the son of person, person is advertising his, so, his so-called faith healing services. You know he's a magician. You have to really warn the community against him. This man is a magician. He's a negro, the jinn. He worships the jinn. He's evil. Do not go anywhere near him and warn from him and expose him and warn the people from him. And this is something fortunately that we don't do. And this is because sometimes these very same people are people who have a standing in the community. They're respected in the community, so no one's really going to say anything. But they know that this person really is using ways and means which are not from the book and the sunnah, and which are signs that this person is involved in magic. So the second reason is that al-amr bil-ma'roof wa nahyan munkar which is to enjoin the good and prohibit the evil, that we are weak and lapse in that regard. That we need to make sure that we fulfill this obligation of warning from evil and its people and enjoying the good. Thirdly, we see that there's a, a, a lot of ignorance spread amongst the Muslims, a lot of innovation, wrong ideas, false types of worship, innovative types of worship amongst the people. So the people are content with ways and means which have no basis in the religion, and so they have a weak attachment to the religion. Also, we see from the, from the ways and means that you see all of these different mediums that are present through the newspapers, through the internet, through the satellite TVs, all these magicians and sorcerers and faith healers, they gain access to the people. And they expose themselves to the people, and the people already being ignorant, and you know, maybe under the influence of magic, they're trying to find a quick solution. So along come these charlatans and fraudsters and swindlers and liars, and they say, you know, you have a problem, we'll deal with it overnight. You know, we have, have this problem, we, we, you know, we will treat it, and it will never ever come back. And they make these promises. And really what they are doing is all they will do is, you know, uh, use another type of magic to combat the original magic, right? And so the person will find that the original magic is now gone, his headache's gone, his pain's gone, whatever problem is gone, now he feels fine, 
give it a few weeks, and now something even worse will now manifest itself. He will then go back to that magician, or hasn't gone. So the magician will do another type of magic to get rid of that magic. And so, so you find what's going on is that a person becomes a playground. He becomes a playground for these magicians, for these swindlers, these lies, these cheats and frauds. And all it, all it is is just a racket for these magicians to make money from individuals and people. And just, you know, people go through a lot, a lot of uh, 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 harm and pain or whatever. And they're just a means of making money from the people. So all of it is just a game and a racket. But these are some of the reasons why you see that magic becomes, or why it manifests itself amongst, uh, amongst the people. And so, inshallah, we, we'll have to conclude here because we only have this place for another 20-25 minutes and there's some food as well. So I'm going to have to really conclude. But what we'll do, inshallah, maybe even next week, if everyone's okay with that, we can maybe go through part two, which is how do you treat yourself uh, and protect yourself from the effects of magic and from the jinn according to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And so, inshallah, we will leave that as part two and we will cover that, inshallah, next week, if, we, if everyone's fine with that, if everybody's fine. We will do that next week at, at the same place, at the same time, at 6.30. Uh, we will conclude this uh, lecture uh, next week. So with that, um, I'm not sure whether we have time for questions. Do we have time for questions or not? Okay, it's uh, tight. Okay, uh, we're very, very tight for questions. Because um, we have to leave the building at quarter to nine. So really, if you, I would say that if, if there's anything in the talk that wasn't clear to you or you had a question or a query about anything in the talk, if anybody has got anything, just so there's no misunderstanding, if you have any question in that regard, maybe you have a few minutes. And likewise, the sisters, if they want to send a sheet of paper in for, with any question, we'll do that very quickly because, as I said, we have to, we have to leave these premises uh, sharp at quarter to nine. And... Uh, I think there's also food, I believe, so you know we 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 we're stuck for time. Okay, that's a good question. Uh, the number seven eight six, and uh, as I said to you in the talk, that this whole idea of uh, letters having numerical representation, all of this comes from. Uh, the, the, the Jews were involved in it for, uh, the, the Jews were involved in it and they themselves took it from the star worshippers from the Chaldeans and the Babylonians and so on and so forth and so the, 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 the Arabs what they did is that this system of numerology they incorporated it into the Arabic language and so they said for example that the letter Alif has a certain numerical representation the letter Ba has a certain representation and so on and so forth and so in this manner, they began to create symbols and codes. Like for example, 786 represents Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim All of this has nothing to do with Islam whatsoever. All of it has its origin and influence from, as I said to you, the magic and the astrology and the numerology, which has come from the Jews and the star worshippers and other than them. It has absolutely no basis in, in Islam whatsoever. Okay, question here. Should a person get a ruqya if they get constant headaches where painkillers and antibiotics don't work that have been, been prescribed by doctors? If you have a pain that uh, never seems to go away despite trying everything from the medicines and whatever else and you suspect that it could be magic, there's no harm. There is no harm in using ruqya. 
or having ruqya being performed upon you to test whether it is a, a genuine physical ailment or an illness or whether it is actually the influence of jinn. So there's absolutely no harm in doing that at all. And in general, a Muslim, a Muslim should be, it should be from his habit in any case that he, that he performs ruqya upon himself by reading the parts of the Qur'an, like the Ayatul Kursi, and likewise the, the last three chapters of the Qur'an, the last, the last two chapters were specifically revealed in order to help protect mankind from magic and the jinn and all types of evil. And likewise, reciting the various supplications that we find uh, that the messenger used to recite in the morning and the evening, that this should be the habit of a person in any case to be doing ruqya upon themselves by, by following that which is in the sunnah. And maybe perhaps, inshallah, we, we will be covering this in the next, uh, next week's lesson in any case. Uh, but the answer is yes. If you feel that this is a, a, a pain which is not going away, get ruqya done uh, from someone who, you, who is uh, qualified and you trust and who, who you know is upon the Qur'an and the sunnah and whose aqidah is correct. He's upon the belief, the, the correct belief of the, of the companions and those you know, who follow in their way that you only use such a person to perform rookie upon you if you, if you, you know, can't do it upon yourself. I experienced a force when we are, when we are sleeping, like as, like as if we are paralyzed, then, all of a, then it releases us. Is this magic and have you come across this? This, this, is from one of the, this can be from one of the signs and manifestations of... Uh, the jinn simply playing around and fooling with a person. It's quite common, in fact. Many, many people experience that while they're asleep, they, they have like a, a, a force being pushed upon their chest and they can't move and they feel paralyzed. And, you know, and, and so this is just some of the uh, things that maybe a person might experience, which is an indication that a jinn could be just fooling around and playing around with them and trying to scare them and whatever. And so yes, yes, these are fairly common symptoms that you find many, many people have mentioned and reported and experienced. And so all you do in such a, such a situation is you, you say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ and you seek refuge in Allah and you read Ayatul Kursi and you, you know, protect yourself in that manner. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, someone asking, how would you defend yourself from, from magic? Inshallah, if you can have patience till next week, because again, to do the subject justice, we have to deal with it in a, in, a, in, a, in a detailed way. We have to cover the wrong way to treat yourself from magic and the right way to treat yourself from magic. So inshallah, if you can have patience till next week, then uh, we, we will leave that answer in detail for next week, inshallah. Ta'ala. Very quickly now, inshallah, very quickly, because we're, we're running out of time. If there's maybe just two more very quick questions, inshallah. Yeah. No, that's different. That's that's a six-pointed star. That in 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 terms of the sim- symbolism, that also has a has its uh, roots in the the occult and the magic. Uh, as far as I know, it has no connection to Sulaiman alayhi salam. Um, uh, but that is different to the five-pointed star. Yeah. But that has a different representation in 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 the symbolism of magic. The six-pointed star has. Uh, a slightly different representation. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. I know. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Yeah. I already been told. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So, last. When did the magic perform that? Um, 
Say that again. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a specific time when magic is performed? Yeah, some, sometimes there are certain types of magic that uh, are, are performed at a specific time because in order to, for, the, for, the, for them to win the assistance of the jinn, there are certain conditions they sometimes ask, like it has to be a certain type of animal that's sacrificed at a certain time or a certain place. So yes, yeah, the, 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 yes, the answer is correct, yes. Okay, inshallah, what it is, there are some questions again from the sisters. If you can, uh, because we're going to deal with how to treat <coughs> magic and influence of jinn in the next uh, part, which is next week at the same time, 6.30, we will leave these answers for next week, inshallah ta'ala. And so if you attend next week, we will deal with that subject in detail. Uh, for now, we have to close, we have to uh, round up here. There are some food, inshallah ta'ala, so uh, please don't rush off. Uh, have, have some food, inshallah. And uh, again... Uh, Jazakumullah uh, khairan for attending and for listening and having patience. And so with that, we conclude today's session. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu anna ilaha illa anta. Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilaik.